<laughs> don't hate it. I don't think we're supposed to hate it. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to Alabama Care, everybody. My name is Sarah Williams, and today I have uh, Zach and Joey Kennedy. Yes, I'm saying that right? Okay. <laughs> um, and today we'll be talking about Zach's life with spina bifida and uh, Joey's life being a parent of someone with a disability. Um, if you would introduce yourself. I'm Joey Kennedy, um, lives here in Albertville, Alabama. I'm sorry. Let me pull the stream up real quick. And we will get started. All right. First question. Okay. Anybody, anybody who either visits or lives in Alabama, first question they're always asked: Auburn or Alabama? Alabama all the way. Yeah, Alabama all the way. Y'all are both about to break my heart. I knew it. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Can't help it. It's just what we were born and bred into. <laughs> I'm an Auburn girl. I went to college there and that's awesome. Everything. My daddy okay. just introduced me to Auburn football in the sixties. So I was a Bear Bryant Bama fan, family football. And so that's just all we've ever known. It's good. Gotcha. Oh, let's see. Okay. This is one of my new favorite questions. Favorite okay. song. Favorite song. Get out your favorite song. Amazing mm, Grace. My favorite song right now is that you say by Lauren Daigle. Good song. Love the song. Those are actually real two really good songs. I yeah. cannot listen to Amazing Grapes though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This could be a question just for one of y'all or both of y'all. Um, okay. what is spina bifida in your own words? You want to do it? You want me to? Yeah. Okay. Uh spina bifida is a uh, a birth defect that happens uh and the spine is left open at some point. It's a neurological problem and nerves to the lower part of the body from that place are not properly connected or not connected at all. So, and it, we're a little familiar with that because my sister was born in 1963 with a form of spina bifida and then Zach in 1986. So we've lived with that for the most part for all of our lives. And so I know a little bit about that. That's pretty cool though, that you have a family member. Mm -hmm. Yeah, also, mm -hmm. yeah I never really realized I'm the that only one. Sister. Yeah, you're the only one. Yeah. But you never realized your sister had it? Is that what you were No, because uh, mm -hmm. she had surgery when she was a baby, and hers was the lesser of the, the three choices, I guess you could say, if you have spina yeah. bifida. So she had a big scar on her back, but mm -hmm. she could use her legs, she can walk. And so everything. So, you know, you just you didn't think as much about it. And she didn't have, you know, near as many hospital visits and doctor visits as what Zach's had in his life. Gotcha. Yep. OK. Um, what kind of spina bifida does Zach have? Well, it would be myelomeningocele. That's what that is. That's the do. same one that I have. Yeah. Can you spell it? <laughs> I can. M-Y-E-L-O-M-E-N-I-N-G-O-C-E-L-E. -E -E. Well, that's amazing. I could not. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm really good at spelling. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm good with numbers. I'm not good with spelling. Yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I hate math. That's funny. Um. Okay. So what was your reaction when you found out that Zach had spun the third? Did you... Like yes, it was about a month before he was born. It was actually, he was born May the 1st, 1986. So about uh, the three weeks before, I guess, in April of 86, Karen had a routine sonogram. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctors told her that she, he was pretty sure she had, uh, you know, a child with spina bifida. We didn't, you know, that was just kind of a shock. And so mm-hmm. they sent us from Gadsden, Alabama to Birmingham to UAB to get other opinions. And so, the, the, the person who did the sonogram with us that day, you know, just said, basically said this to us, said, we don't think the baby has any legs and we don't think they'll be able to live outside the womb. And so that was probably one of the worst days of our lives. Yeah. So we, we drove home and cried all the way home. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then we just prayed and believed that, you know, that it wouldn't be. And so the reality of it don't really hit you till the day's born on May the 1st. So, right. yeah. Shock, fear, you know, a lot of things go along with that. So afraid of what the future held for us. Um, let's talk about this question I didn't ask at the very beginning. Okay. That I actually just came up with right before the live stream. Okay. <laughs> okay, so most inspirational person in both of y'all's lives. Well, honestly, for me, the most inspiration for me has been Zach. So since the, mm-hmm. you know, the time he was born, just going through this journey with him, everything he faces, how he faces it, what he goes through, it, it really inspires me a lot. I always has, even the time he was real little. So I don't know. You got an inspiration? Uh, <laughs> you don't know. Well, yeah, I I just kind of sprung that one on you. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to, let's go to like Zach's early life. Okay. Okay. So what like? what, he, he had surgery in May, two different surgeries, one to close his back, one to close, one to put a shunt in. And then he had some issues swallowing, so he was back in the hospital again. We went through mm-hmm. some of that. In that process, his shunt got stopped up from, from a hernia surgery that they'd done. And so after July of 86, on about the 4th of July, 5th of July, we got to come home. And then it was good because he didn't have to go back and forth a lot. So life was pretty normal for a little while because, you know, he's an infant anyway. And so once he gets old enough and with other people we had friends with, you know, and all of a sudden when he gets one, two and three years old, you know, it's a little more challenging because it's obvious now that, you know, he can't, he can't walk, but he could, he, he was really strong and he could just crawl, crawl over everywhere. the house, just crawl over the house and just do all kinds of things. And he got a little red wheelchair. It came from Sweden and then he got mobile with that. And so he could just go outside and we'd play and he loved to hit, like uh, baseballs, and so I would throw him probably two or three hundred pitches a day, and let him just hit, hit, wow. hit. And he really developed his hand-eye coordination. So you know, a lot of that was pretty normal. Then he got on a little 
a little league softball team, and he was kind of helped keep score, managed, and was the, with the team, a part of the team. And I remember all that, and you know that yeah, his pictures bit. made. That was all cool. So he had a lot of things that was you know in his early childhood that we just wanted him to be able to do everything he could possibly do. And so we kind of always worked at that to kind of help make that happen. So mm-hmm. it was it was good. It was actually a good growing up time. It was fun to you, for the most yeah. part. So I didn't like preschool, I don't think. He didn't like preschool, mm-hmm. he said. So he got in trouble at preschool a couple of times. <laughs> and then when he got to kindergarten, it was funny. He had a, a manual chair and he would just want to roll away. And so the teacher actually put a broom handle through his <laughs> wheels so he couldn't roll away. So it was funny. <laughs> So he was That's a little probably great. a little rowdy there when he was a little kid. Yeah, and then he, he crawled. He got out of his chair one day and crawled out of the classroom into another classroom. So it was fun. So it was normal. And and everybody, uh, you know, he just he felt he was so mainstream in school. He he never, you know, he ever had that. I don't think he. We never had an issue with them not taking care of every need he possibly had every day. That's good. You know, and that was good because you never felt like you had to go battle to get right. something taken care of. As you know, you know we had to, what that's like for, for y'all. So you never had right. to do that. It's cool. Everybody yeah. really chipped in to help us. Yeah. Um, so his school life was pretty normal. Pretty normal. Yeah. 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 He went through middle school in a in a manual chair mm-hmm. and then when he got to ninth grade he got a power chair because the campus was very spread out and it just helped him a whole lot so he got the power chair honestly and he's never hardly been out of the power chair since ninth grade even though he probably could manual it all right he likes the power chair and it's worked good for him so and he yeah. did a lot of stuff you know through school he was involved in, in all kind of things in the uh in the middle school he was in the band and so i remember mm-hmm. one day being in a, in a you know, like a homecoming parade mm-hmm. and we fixed his uh we fixed his like xylophone bells and mallets onto the foot of his chair and then he could play them with both hands and I pushed him in the parade and wow. so I just that was a cool thing I remember that was a fun day long round yeah we walked for several miles that day but that was a cool thing so and so that was kind of cool for him all the way through his school time and then you know in high school he was involved he, he didn't stay in the band when he got in high school but uh, he was pretty involved with what all went on at school. Everybody knew choir. choir. Yeah, he was in the choir, did different choirs and sang that kind of stuff. And then, uh, then when he, then about that time, he started liking to. We, we'd already we'd been where well, we fished some, and then mm-hmm. he got to want to go deer hunting. So we had some friends that helped us out, took us on some deer hunts, and then uh, along in that time, he got to to kill a deer from the back of a pickup truck, and it was a, it's a cool experience, you know. So we had a lot of fun with that. So, anything you want to say about that? They let me, during school, they let me get out, like, five minutes early between classes, so I wouldn't run over all the kids during the break. <laughs> yeah, so they always accommodated you, though, didn't they? Yeah. They tried to make it as easy yeah. for you and as easy for them as possible. Yeah. We were blessed in that, in that we always had a principal and some people at the school that wanted to make sure everything was good. Rather right. than having to battle to make it good, they were in front of that, always trying to make it good for them, which was, that right. made the school way better. Right. You know? So I remember when he was younger, they had taken care of, you know, all of his like needs for catheterization and all that at school when he was even in kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. Through that. Oh, yeah. Had a nurse there. She did it every day for him and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had an aide um, kindergarten through fifth. 
That's cool. Um, fourth and fifth grade were a struggle because yeah. I had switched schools. Oh yeah, and oh, um, gosh. that's when it became a struggle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're we're kind of it's kind of good in that we're in a relatively uh, smaller town at the time. A lot of people knew Zach was aware of that, and so right. a lot of people wanted to chip in and help him all along the journey. So, yeah. and that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I went to the same school, uh, with, or not the same school, but the, with the same like kids, preschool uh-huh. through third. Nice. And so they all knew me. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mom taught at the school. So like all the teachers knew me. <laughs> um, so they were extremely helpful. Um, and then fourth, fourth grade, we moved schools mm, yeah. and it just, it wasn't a good time. Yeah, because yeah. you don't know people and yeah. different place, different people. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to your medical journey. Oh. <laughs> a fun medical. topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I you mean to tell something yeah, about it. Obviously, I mentioned those first couple of surgeries he had when he was little. And then, honestly, from the time he was six months old on up till he was several years old, I mean, he didn't really have a lot of problems. And then for some reason, he started to make stones in his bladder. Mm -hmm. They weren't kidney stones. They were stones that formed in his bladder. And so he must have had 50, I don't know, along the way. And so, but it's good for the most part, they could go in you know, and, and extract them out. But he ended up and had one that was bigger, rounder than a quarter. So obviously wow. they had to cut him to open up to get that one out. Right. So th- ever since then, honestly, his good. urinary tract has been one of the biggest struggles for him mm-hmm. with both kidney stones, bladder stones, and then infections. And so he continues to have infections all along the way. He had a shunt that was put in in July of 1986, and mm-hmm. it lasted until this May in 2022. Wow. So it was in there for right at 36 years. So the shunt was a good thing, but when it failed, obviously that was a big deal. So right. this year he was in the hospital, had a pretty major deal going on with that because it got. We didn't expect that to be a shunt problem. Right. So he stayed in the hospital and, you know, it was scary because of what has to go. And I'm sure you've probably had a shunt revision. So, you know, that that's a hard thing. So that was, that was difficult for us. And then, uh, but, you know, hadn't had a whole lot of surgeries once he got over being about three or four months old, Yeah, you know, so that, that's kind of amazing. That's kind of yeah. awesome because that's, you know, helped him, you know, our theory was stay away from the hospital all you can. You know, mm-hmm. don't do anything that's right. unnecessary. And so right. I think that's been good yeah. to kind of kind of help him because we we had one doctor along the way who wanted to uh, basically he said we want to take his back and we want to take out vertebrae and we want to mm-hmm. put it together and put rods in and said he'll be in a body cast for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was another day. We, I remember we cried all the way home yeah. and then we went to different doctors, got different opinions. And then we just decided that was not the best thing to do for us. You know, right. so Zach never did that. You know, whether he'd have been better off now, I don't know because you know it makes him a little shorter now because of his back is mm-hmm. is uh, kind of curved and all. But it's just kind of you know his journey has in the beginning was real rough, and then he was really good until 2010, 
and it, again, it was a urinary tract situation, and we didn't realize it in time, and he went septic, and wow. then really come close to dying in 2010. Awesome. Yeah, and then then he did it again in 2015, a very similar wow. type situation, and then you know, other than that, this 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 year has been a little challenge for him here, but he's he said it been you know some long stretches of time that's been good. Right. Yeah. So okay. quite a journey. His x-ray packet was very thick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we remember carrying that thing around at Children's Hospital because it always x-ray him every time. And when we right. had a package, it was probably an inch and a half thick of just old x-rays, you know? Yeah. I had or have a like notebook oh. full of just like medical stuff from when I was like a baby to now yeah and yeah it's amazing it's amazing to think about all that you know just yeah. think about a, a long journey of that with health health struggles so right let's see let's see earliest memories of zach for both of you and then um your favorite memories uh, what's your earliest memory? You talked about that earlier today. I remember the green chair a little bit, or the red chair a little bit. Yeah, his little red wheelchair. He had it, you know, it was very small. He had it for a little while. Yeah. You had it, you was in that when your sister was born. Yeah, I remember that. That was a great memory to yeah. me, to you. His sister was born. He was about three and a half at the time his sister was born, and he was so excited to get a baby sister. And so we were in the hospital. Uh, she actually was born on the way to the hospital. Oh, wow. And so when Zach got to come to meet her for the first time, he had rolled all around in the hospital and down the halls telling everybody, I've got a baby sister born in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> and so it was just, that was fun. And you kind of remember part of that. Yeah. So my earliest memory, obviously, was right after he was born, they mm -hmm. wrapped him all up and handed him to me to carry him from the delivery room down to the nursery where he was going to stay for about an hour before he got transported in an ambulance to Birmingham. We were in Gaston at the time. And I just will never forget the moment of holding him and looking into his eyes. And when his eyes looked at my eyes and, mm -hmm. and it was just like, I, I was afraid because, you know, the doctors had said they didn't think he would live. So, you know, I'm here, I'm holding a newborn baby and I'm just, and I'm scared in that moment rather than being exhilarated from having a firstborn son, you know, it was scary to me. And so I just remembered trying to, I'm thinking I've got to hurry and get him to that nursery, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that, that was my earliest. And, and I think my best memory for me was when, when he killed the deer that day was so fun. Mm -hmm. That was one of the best days that we'd, we'd ever had on there. Yeah. So we backed up, we, we, we go deer hunting. It's late in the afternoon. We back up over a green field and I had made Zach a, a tripod, took a tripod for a camera and I camoed it all up. And I built a tray on it out of wood to put the rifle barrel in because he can't hold the rifle out like this, you see. And so we, uh, went, when we back up to the greenfield, uh, Zach's in the back of the truck. I climb into the truck with him. And when I looked up, there was a deer. It's standing dead still staring at us about 80 yards away. And I thought, there's no way that deer will stand there until I get this rifle loaded and give it to me. Because we're making all that noise. Yeah, we're noisy. And it just stares at us the whole time. And so he takes the rifle, lays it into the, the, the little um, holder we got for it. And then I said, you know, you play, he played video games where he shot deers on video. 
And so I said, it's all up to you. I'm not going to touch anything. And he sh- within five minutes, you know, he shoots and the thing just, it jumps in the air, runs about 10 or 15 feet and kills over. So 10 minutes into the process, we're dragging that thing to the truck. And so just a fun day. We, we had a gentleman with us who had carried us. And so, you know, we loaded it up, come home, took pictures and all that kind of stuff. So that was a, that was a fun day. What was really your cool. other fun day? Alabama football game? Yeah, I bet. What about that? Oh, uh, I met the president in the university, of the university, in the airport at Birmingham. Oh, okay. I to a game cool. with him, sitting in the president's box. Wow. Friendly. Yeah, that was in the in the eighties, mid eighties, I guess. Ninety seven. Ninety seven. That's right. So yeah, he met the president of the university by accident in the airport when we went to pick my sister up from a trip, and the guy saw Zach had on Alabama. Gear, gear. And so he was just all cool and he wanted him to come and go to a game with him. So that was a fun day too. We got to go and uh, cool. sit in the president's box and that was wow. kind of cool. That's a fun day. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah, it was fancy. <laughs> it was it was good. <laughs> um okay, here is a question for Zach. What was your dream job growing up? I know this. Yes, you do. Police dispatcher. Well, did it for one year. I still listen to the scanner all the time, though. What was your most favorite thing about police dispatcher? That's what my next question is going to be. What do you, what do you think is the most fun about it? Roger, the adrenaline of the calls and dealing with the Public. Yeah, we actually in that office he was in, they actually got 911 calls. So, you know, you're on the line with an emergency situation. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And they actually made, they had to, there's some rearranging in the dispatch room for, for me with because of the wheelchair. So that actually mm-hmm. worked out for both of us in the long run for well, them and me. Yeah, the Avril Police Department got an overhaul to their dispatch room in the state, paid for it. Cause oh, wow. of allowing him to work there with a disability. Wow. So that was cool. Yeah, that's nice. And then really at cool. that year, during that year, he got an award for what was that award? You governor's, got? some kind of governor's award. Governor's award for disability employment person. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, the news channel came out of Huntsville, did a story on him. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things. And the other thing you need to tell her about is riding the helicopter. I got to do a uh, PR for the. Uh, Kids like the community every day, and uh, mm-hmm. this was in eighteen. I do it every year. I get just fired EMS and police to come let the kids see the cars and stuff. And uh, I had the uh, medevac come in that year, particularly, and they uh, they surprised me and gave me a set of wings. And the uh, only stipulation was I had to go up in the helicopter and fly for about with them before I could get my wings and stuff. So wow, yeah. They, I flew about 15 to 20 minutes just around the area. All over the county. Yeah, I got to see the hospital where they come in at. Wow. Flew over the house and flew over Gunnerful Lake and all that. It was, it was cool. That was neat. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun day, too. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. This is a question for one of y'all, both of y'all. Um, what does advocacy mean to you? To me, I, my term for that is just to run interference. 
Now, obviously, along the way, we've been blessed in lots of ways because so many people wanted to help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's always that opportunity. I mean, I always try to, Karen and I both, his mom would try to, you know, be in front of some situations and make sure some things were going to be good before we get there, so to speak. And he, both with school and then he went to Snead State to college for a couple of years, even with his job, everything. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of my idea for what I mean of that. And I don't feel like we've had near the place for advocacy like, you know, like some would have known. So what do you have a word for that? Not really. Okay. Yeah. What tell us, I mean, if we can ask you a question, what yeah, what do you think? Ahead. Tell tell sure. us what, what you think on that. What advocacy means? Yeah. Um I would say like standing up for yourself and in order to like get what you want. Um I honestly did not learn how to advocate for myself until about college okay um because I was living on campus by myself um my mom was not around 24 7 like she had been uh-huh and I had to get accommodations for class and um just like things to like get around on campus yeah. and all that um like things had to be done so I had to, um, all the people are watching now. I'm sorry, I'm seeing all the people joining now. Um, but um, I, that's when I really learned how to like ask for what I needed in like the appropriate way, I mm-hmm. guess is what, how you would say that. Okay. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, it's basically just like standing up for yourself and learning how to ask for help when you need it, which I'm still really bad at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's sometimes hard to ask for help. Did you ever feel like you had to ask for help at school? Not really. I mean, the, most time they would get the doors, and every now and then I'll just I'd grab the doors in my wheelchair and get them open enough where I get out. So they pretty they they were extremely accommodating. Yeah. it seemed to be. And at Snead, even college, they even they would make sure my classes was in the same building, or at least one building apart. So I might have to like go from yeah. one side of the campus to the other just to yeah each day. Yeah, it seemed like this the people just really went out of their way to help you with with a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had a lot of people helping me like on campus and stuff. Um, I'm also like, you wouldn't know it because you, y'all know me, but I'm also really shy. Oh. <laughs> and um, so it takes me a while to like warm up to someone and actually be able to go up and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a question pertaining to that. Okay. Um, Tina Marie, my mom. she says hi have you had to advocate much for zach when he's been in the hospital oh yeah definitely (laughs) definitely the hospital is a whole nother world for that advocacy i agree 
yeah, just uh, every time. Uh, the, the, the biggest time that I first remember was in 2010. He got really bad sick. He was at a hospital here in our hometown. And I could tell, Karen could tell that he was not right. Something was bad wrong with him. And the doctors there just they blew, blew it off. And I'm like, no, something's really wrong with him. And so we wouldn't let it go. And so right. what was happening with him is his CO2 was building up because his lungs weren't working right because of the septic from the infection. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't do anything with it. And, and the cool thing is that day, one of my best friends from growing up, who was an ICU nurse at that hospital, happened to be working on the floor that day. And so I kept going to him and I said, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And so he actually got a transfer order carried it to the doctor himself and stood there and said, you need to sign this. I know them. They need to go to Children's Hospital. You need to sign this. And then he signed it because of that. And then a few hours later, we were at Children's Hospital. And when he got there, Dr. Joseph, who was the urologist there, who took care of Zach years and years, he he was blown away at how sick he was. So, Mm -hmm. you know, had we not moved that night, Zach would have died that night because they told us, once he got to Children's, he almost died anyway, and he was in the ICU getting, you know, massive good care. So, yeah, and then every time we've been in the hospital, you know, and that's my term, run interference, stay in front of the situation, always trying to help understand some things. So, yes, the hospital is really hard on our end because, you know, we do a lot of stuff together, and, you know, we know each other. I know Zach's you know, body for the most part, yeah, what I was exactly. going on with him. Yeah. And so we would try to, you know, see things and we can see those things and try to communicate them. And it sometimes the doctors don't want to listen to that because they think uh-huh. they know what they're doing or whatever. But so that's, yes, big challenge. Right. Big challenge. Yeah. Hospital. Hmm. Hospitals are something. Yeah. My mom, has, my mom has definitely had to run interference for me a yes. lot. <laughs> yes. Did you go to Children's I guess? I did. I got a uh, UAB now. Yeah. Yeah. I had a uh, Dr. Joseph. Speaking of Dr. Joseph, mm-hmm. he was my neurologist for a really long time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he did a lot of surgery on Zach. He's the one who took all those stones out along the way, and so yeah. he'd have bladder stones. And then anyway, Dr. Joseph kind of nicknamed Zach a rock garden because he said he grows <laughs> rocks. And so I don't know how many times that he'd been in and had stones removed from his bladder. And uh, I started getting stones in 97, I think. So you'd been 11. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, yeah, lots of times. Yeah. Never had to advocate with Dr. Joseph. He was always on it. You know, he's yeah, in front Dr. of Dr. Joseph it. was great. Yeah, he's the best. A few times he said, do what y'all want to do or. What y'all think? Yeah. You know, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Once when he was, one time in 2010, actually, when he was in the hospital after he started getting better, he come around with a team of doctors and, you know, he knows us and knows how we kind of do what we do. And anyway, he told the doctors who was on his team kind of where Zach was, what he was doing. And he looked at me and he said, what do you think? And I told him an opinion and then he told them it was interesting. He said, OK, do that because that that's a better idea. You know, and I thought, that's kind of cool that he would listen to you and, right. you know, be willing to take an opinion from, from somebody else. Right. So, 
Okay, we're actually going to skip down to a question that okay. I didn't send y'all. All right, we like those the best. I'm actually extremely excited about it. Okay. Um, the you wrote a book, right? Yep. And um, so can you talk a little bit about that book? Yeah, hey, I actually got it right here. If I can show it, I don't know if you can yeah. see that or not. It looks like that. It's titled "Living His Dream." And that's why I would have said a while ago that Zach is inspirational to me. So when he was about seven or eight, he fell in love with the law enforcement whole community, got to know the chief of police. And so that's when he got his scanner and he started listening Mm -hmm. to everything that goes on with all the policemen. And so he always decided, you know, he wanted to be a police dispatcher when he grows up. So when he gets uh, graduates high school. He went to Sneed State, got a two-year associate degree in criminology, and then the city of Averable hired him to work in the dispatch room. And so, you know, we talked about that a few minutes ago. Well, a local newspaper reporter came and did a story on it, and he put it on the front page of our local paper called the Sand Mountain Reporter. And it said, had a picture of him that you saw there. That picture on the front of the book was the picture that was on the front page of the paper. And, and he, the, the guy captured it and said, living his dream. And I thought, mm-hmm. that's cool. At the time, he's 24, and for somebody at 24 to say they're living their dream, well, that's kind of inspirational, you know? So I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't know. This was about uh, 2011, and sit down at the computer and just started to type, and then I realized I could make it the whole story into a book. So the book's titled Living His Dream and How He Helped Me Live Mine. And so every chapter is a story from his life and what principle I learned from that story to help me ultimately live my life. And it's shared all those principles. There's like 18 principles all through there. And it's some funny stories. You know, mm-hmm. one, one of the funny stories for Zach from this book to me is when he got the little red wheelchair and he was about three or four years old and I go out on a Saturday and I'm going to wash my car. So Zach's uh, rolls around behind my car and I look down and he's going down our driveway just <laughs> fast as he can go toward the street. And I go, Zach, what are you doing? And I'm running, trying to catch up with him. Well, he goes down the driveway, across the street, and lands in the ditch in the neighbor's house across the street, flips upside down. And I pick him up out of the mud, and I go, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, I just wanted to see what it felt like. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I wanted to see what it felt like to go as fast as I could, as far as I could. And I said, that's awesome, because we all like to know some kind of thrill and that was his way that day of going as fast as he could, as far as he could. And so anyway, that just, I think I learned something from that in life, you know, it's just to live life. Sometimes you just need to go as fast as you can, as far as you can. So, and it's just full of all kinds of things like that. So it was fun. We, we did the book and it came out in May of 2012 mm-hmm. and it's on Amazon now. I know some other book retailers, I think Barnes and Noble yeah. still has it and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, you can get an ebook of it. You can get hard copies of it through them. And so that was fun in those days because both the, the t- channel uh, TV channels from uh, Huntsville came to Aberville and did pretty good spreads on the, the story of the book. And so that was fun to us to, to be able to do that and then share that exact story with everybody. This is just a way for everybody to, you know, kind of do what you're doing now, spread the news about you know, a situation and how you make the best of that situation and how you get where you need to be with it. So it's been a lot of fun. What do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. I've actually read the book. It's so good. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Lots of people have read it and it's fun to, for them to read it 
And then, you know, some of them might remember a story or two along the way about that. Right. And then just, yes. just what they take away from it is really fun. Yeah. Let's see. Right. Um, have you or Zach or both of y'all been to any Spinabifta related events? No. When, when, well, you, take it back. Yeah, when you were little, when you were younger, about yeah. 11 or 12. Yeah. We went to one. We went to one down in uh, Coleman County in Bl Alabama. Blunt County. Blunt County. Okay. And it was just a day where they did archery. They could swim. And then we, that, I tell you, we went to two. And then we went to one in, in Birmingham at that uh Lakeshore at Lakeshore, and it was awesome. That was a good, yeah, a good was, day. And so we did that. But it's weird because I don't know why we didn't necessarily just connect to that because we were doing a lot of things anyway. Because right. I mean, he stayed, he stayed his whole life. He's just been on the go, and so you know we, we just doing all the stuff like the playing a ball, when fish hunt, and the stuff that you, sometimes you may not have gotten to do, and he was mm -hmm. able to do all those things. So I guess mm -hmm. that caused us not to connect to some of those things as much. Yeah. But we went a couple of times and it was always good. So and it was a little ways away from house too. So, you know, it takes several hours sometimes to get somewhere. Yeah. So. News, the news channel actually came down to the one in Blunt, Blunt County. And I was on NBC 13 oh, yeah. that night also. Yeah. Wow. I'm mm -hmm. all yep. We hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah. I, um... I went to a camp called Camp Aska mm -hmm. um, on Lake Martin. Yeah, we've heard of it. Um, cool. Yeah, I went there for a few years and um, then college and then I got a job and it just kind of took over. <laughs> yeah, yeah was fine. Life happened, huh? Yeah, and I was <laughs> really upset about it, but I, I got over it. <laughs> Well, Becky Hobson had tried to get Zach to go to that several different times, and I don't know she never could seem yeah. to talk him into it. So, yeah, I I went because I've always wanted to go to a camp that was for like people with disabilities. Uh huh. Um, I gone to one in Florida, but that was too far from home. Understand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. And then we found out about this one from a presentation or something, maybe. And so I went and I instantly fell in love with it. Um, I found my best friend there. Awesome. Um, and then like I keep in contact with a bunch of people mm -hmm. from there. Well, that's an awesome camp. I know we've, we've seen some stuff yeah, from there. So Zach don't like to be away from home that much. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> He's very much a homebody. Has been for a while. Yeah. I am too. That was the only time I ever liked to be away from home. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Best and worst part about living with Benavithra from both of y'all's like perspectives. Mm -hmm. What's the best part? I guess just getting to make different different types of people yeah. that kind of can relate to you. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You got a worst? Um, I mean, I do get tired a lot. Probably just 
stiffness from the wheelchair. Yeah. No, I should work out, but I don't. But yeah, you're in the chair from about seven, seven or eight in the morning till about nine, 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 nine. So, yeah. Yeah. So physically, it's demands yeah. on you from having to sit there. I could recline, but I don't either. Yeah. Anything else? I would say the only thing I would say is it would be the best about this whole situation is I just think there's a closeness for mm -hmm. us from for Zach and I right. that we would never be. I mean, unless, you know, he was where he's at this moment. We would never, I would never know a lot of things. His mom would never know a lot of things she knows and have a relationship with him like she, that we do had it not been for that. And then, and then that's, if you, I, and I've never thought about that, what's best about that. And when I first saw that question, I thought, well, there's not a best about that. But I think the relational aspect of that could be what's the best about that. Um, you know, the hardest thing about that is when, you know, you, you would like sometimes to be able to do, see Zach be able to do some things that he's just not able to do. Yeah. That's kind of the worst I mean, for me. But we've always said, I, I've always said this when you were little, I don't know if you remember this, but I, when, uh, there, there was this kid in his class that used to be mean to him. And, uh, and I told Zach, I said, listen, and here's the, the thing for all of us. Everybody has a handicap. Sons are just way more visible. Exactly. And don't let don't let that bother you so much. Right. So, you know, that's kind of trying to learn something good out of a, a not so good situation. Right. So but just to watch his ability for me just to keep on going and endure through, you know, what would be very difficult for me, unimaginable to me, to be honest with you. I see him live through and overcome that every day. And so right. that that's kind of a that's kind of a, if you could say a best for you in that. And I guess one of the other best is interesting is along the way, he's taken a lot of shots. And I just go, at least you can't feel it, Zach. So he <laughs> <laughs> don't feel anything in his legs or anything at all. So like, uh, I remember one time we gave him 60 shots over 10 days. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm proud you can't feel this yep. because it sure hurts me worse than it does you. Right. Stick you so many or times. UTI. Yeah. So that's kind of to say it, it's a, yeah. Wow. There's definitely some best and the worst. Yeah. I would say the worst is like all the surgeries. Yeah. Because. Mm. Yeah, the such that his shunt thing this year was extremely difficult, I think, yeah. for him and yeah. for us, just from the, the uncertainty of the moment, what I was going on with him because he right. kept blacking out. And, you know, we didn't know what was going on with him. And then just to see that and then to see, uh, you know, what it was like to have to have that done. I mean, because he had not had that done since he was a baby. So right. to see him at that place, you know, get that done. It was in all the, you know, he had about 40, 40 something stitches in the top of his head. It was like unreal. You know, so I, I just kept going. It's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. And he's yeah. like, it really don't hurt that bad. My head's still numb on that one side. Yeah. So yeah. is yours is yours numb around your scar? Not really, no. That's weird. It made me hurt for him. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just to look at it, it hurt. So yeah. That's what my mom says. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Oh, um, okay.
Okay, is there any advice you would give a parent with a child or adult with spina bifida? Uh -huh. Just keep a lot of patience. And go with the flow. Yeah. Keep yes. a lot of patience. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Obviously, there's things you can't fix. There can be lots of anxiety. There can be lots of uh, fatigue on our part as well. And so just hang with that and, and go with that and not be so uptight and know that everything's not going to go just like you want it to all the time. And so if you can kind of like, and that's our, our terms, Zach said that, just kind of go with the flow sometimes. Right. And I think to me, that's a big piece of advice. And, you know, just keep yourself from being discouraged. Right. So, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Got any other words of wisdom there? Mm. Yeah. No. Okay. Mm. I'm actually going to steal something that my mom says. Okay. She always says to find your tribe. Find your what? Tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Because it's not, you can't do it all. Yes. We probably uh, sometimes hadn't been the best at that, to be yeah. honest with you, finding our tribe thing. But, I mean, we, we have a close-knit with the family. So my parents have always been very close. Mm -hmm. And Karen's parents have already always been very close. I mean, my parents live seven-tenths of a mile one direction. Her parents live two blocks in another direction. So between all of us, we've always, you know, been close enough to – take care of everything, take care of Zach, right. take care of everything he needed. And then in 2020, 2019 of May, her father passed away. And then her mom come down with Alzheimer's. And then in 20, the September of 2020, my mom passed away. So we've lost a lot of what we would have considered our tribe right there. So, but I understand that, you know, having the people support system around you and the people to be with and to help you is, is humongous. Right. Yeah. So we, we do have a great church family, though, and our church family all leans into us. And so they're, you know, Zach's, that's our friend base for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of, we don't have a lot of help from that. And that's a kind of a good thing. Yeah. All right. Last question. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we didn't get to? I'm thinking. You're thinking. I can't think of nothing. Here's what I think about when you ask me that question and then just mm -hmm. knowing, you know, watching Zach and see see what he's gone through, see what he's been able to do and see where Zach is, just to know this. Every person, no matter what, has value to add. Right. And to find that value, help them find that value, and then be a value to somebody else or to an organization or, or somebody. And so to me, if I'm a person who adds value to whatever I'm involved with, you know, and so I've seen Zach with some great struggles along the way, be able to add value in his place at school. You know, in his place with the police department and the fire department and some other people that he works with. So he's always seemed to be able to add value to that. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that I deal with a lot. And it seems like they want you to add value to them rather than them being able to add value. Yeah. So I would say to anybody with disability, find your place where you can add value 
to somebody else because that brings a lot to you and out of you through that. So uh, Zach, when we in our church years ago, we started running projection screens and all that. And Zach always did that. And he did that for years, for years. And so that was something he did that added back. That was a skill he had. He was able to do that. And, you know, then I'm the pastor. So I would put stuff on the screen for the preaching time. And, Mm -hmm. And Zach, it was like we were together doing it because he would, you know, he would follow what I was saying and he knew how to stay right with me through the whole process of communication. So, you know, that was a place he added value. And then I just think that's an important thing for any of us, no matter what yeah. situation we're in. How can we add value to the world around us? And so, I mean, I just see that in lots of people. And I see when that's not there also in lots of people. And I think that's good for every one of us to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. th- that would be my words. Good words. <laughs> awesome. I think that is all my questions and we had nothing else come up on Facebook. Okay. So I think we're going to end. Okay. Um, this, but thank you for letting me interview you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. We've enjoyed it, right? Yeah. This was actually really interesting. Well, maybe we share a little bit of information that's helpful. Yeah. All right. Um, I will see y'all in my next interview. Bye guys. All right, bye-bye.